the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome into another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. Your host, Brandon Kravitz, here, joined by the Sultan of Salary himself. He is the one and only Mike Gennetti. We are past the holiday fog. We'll have another <laughs> holiday fog coming up, but for right now, we're sort of in this sweet spot between Thanksgiving and Christmas where we can solely focus on football and, and basketball and the hot stove, of course, Mike. Yeah, yeah, it's everything right now. And, and unfortunately, I'm enjoying the live sports while working on future offseason stuff. So it's a weird time of year for me, right? I've got a, I'm sitting here looking at 2024 NFL rosters, trying to figure out the roster bubble candidate. So it's, uh, it's kind of awkward, but I mean, you know, this is a, a good time of year for really the multi sport sports fan. There's no question about it. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a beautiful time of year. Let's start with something that's not so beautiful, which is the mess that's going on with the Carolina Panthers right now. Frank Reich was fired. David Tepper not exactly running a smooth operation over there. Still making a ton of money because he owns a sports franchise and he's a billionaire. But uh, some reports claim that players found out about the firing via social media. That's never a good sign. David Tepper mispronounced Frank Reich's name twice in the media address following his dismissal. Uh, that's just <laughs> so unprofessional. Uh, my favorite part of, of all of this is just how much money is owed to f- coaches. It's, it's like he's David Tepper's running a college football team with all of the money that he's paying out to coaches that don't work for the Panthers anymore. Yeah, it's nuts. Uh, you know, the Matt Rule stuff. I got, we almost forget about that. And I it's did. Amazing. I honestly forgot that Matt right? Rule coached the Panthers until I looked it up before. This That's podcast. how dysfunctional this has been. We just kind of swept it under the rug, and it, it's forty million, right? I mean, it's forty million with some offsets. He's making some of that back in college. I, I mean, Frank Reich. Not only did he get fired, I, I think it ended his his football career. Didn't he say that like immediately after being fired? I'm taking this thirty million uh, of dead cash, and I'm I'm never coming back. He, I, I think it broke him forever. That's terrible. But Carolina is mismanaged from the top down. There's absolutely no question about that. Um, but I have to say this, because I know there's, you want to get to some roster stuff. This is all quarterback, right? I mean, if they had a quarterback at any point in time over the past five years, everybody would be smelling roses right now. And David Tepper would look like a genius. They've just swung and missed, what, six times here? Tried to, tried to resurrect Cam with Ron Rivera. I mean, Baker, Sam Darnold, Teddy Bridgewater, everything. They've tried everything right now. And obviously, Bryce Young was supposed to be the Hail Mary because they they finally did it right after a lot of swing and misses on taking veterans or other people's trash from the draft. They finally went all the way down to the bottom, got the guy, traded, you know, traded up to get the guy and picked the wrong guy, we think, at least at this point in time. So all of this has to do with quarterback for me. You know, yes, they traded McCaffrey. Yes, there's a lot more transactions involved here that I know a lot of smart people in Carolina have been listing out. But this is about the quarterback not working (laughs) and David Tepper getting really freaking pissed off that Bryce Young looks like he does and CJ Stroud looks like he does. And he's got to answer to those questions. So it's a mess. There's close to $100 million being shed to previous coaches, Rivera, Matt Rule and now Frank Reich. And, you know, I'm not even talking about all the assistants there. And they're back to square one. And that includes Bryce Young, who is locked in for another three seasons. That's the million dollar question, too, is, is this all a quarterback issue? What would the Panthers look like? What would Frank Reich's tenure in Carolina, as brief as it was, look like if they just drafted C.J. Stroud number one overall? Mm -hmm. 
Stroud, if you're doing the comparison game, they did a really good job in terms of they already had Nico Collins, who is a breakout player. They drafted Tank Dell uh, based on the the uh, recommendation of C.J. Stroud. That's panning out very quickly. They've got two serviceable running backs that they're spending a whole lot less on than what the Panthers are for washed-up Miles Sanders. It just seems like – and they, they, they have uh, stars on defense as well. Sometimes it is as simple as quarterback. I actually think this situation might be beyond that. I, I, I think the Panthers are one of the few examples in the NFL of not even a great quarterback could save this particular situation. It's fair. Um, and by the way, you mentioned, I think, the or you failed to mention, I think the biggest thing going right in Houston, which is they paid for an offensive line, <laughs> right? They paid yeah. Laramie Tunsil twice before CJ Stroud got into this uniform and there's just no other way to do this. That, that is the end all be all Carolina was depleting, subtracting veteran offensive linemen when Bryce young was entering that locker room. So you knew that something was going to give. And generally this is what happens. Um, the, the one example I want to put into people's heads is Denver, which I don't think, I don't think I can explain Denver right now. I'm not sure a lot of people can because I was leaving them on the roadside for dead quite a, you know, just about a month ago or so. It seems that Sean Payton has fixed that, right? It seems that he has righted that ship and he's done so with a veteran quarterback who looked like he was on the, on the downslide here. We don't see that happen too often. I wonder, Brandon, if that's going to be something that other teams try to mimic because the look, what are there six quarterbacks in this upcoming draft? What does that mean? Two are going to hit. That's probably what the percentages say. Two of the six, and I'm including yeah. Bo Nix in this conversation, I think. Just I think go back might, to 2021 and remember right. how excited we right. were about that draft class. Right. Um, and 2017, I think, was another one where, you know, one of the four hits, right? But it, I, I just want I, I just want to wonder if somebody's going to look at a Jimmy Garoppolo, who we talked about a little bit last week, and say, if we get the right coach with that player, and it's only going to cost us, what, $12 million a year now? Maybe not even that for Garoppolo, who looks a little bit washed up. Is that the better approach than taking a 30% risk in the draft and trying to fix everything else around him for a young kid who doesn't really know how this, this NFL experience works yet? I know that's old school thinking and everybody's trying to, you know, use the rookie wage call to their advantage. And I don't blame them. I just wonder if a Kirk cousins isn't going to be a more attractive option than the fourth best quarterback in this draft, according to draft scouts. So it's something to put in people's heads when Chicago and Arizona and Washington and all these teams are sitting there in the middle of the first round thinking, what do we do here? Um, I, I just wonder if Bryce Young is going to be the biggest buyer beware we've had in quite a while here because how many number ones are are not currently starting in the league? It has been a, a weird scenario, right? It's 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 boom or bust at that number one spot overall. Well, and look, for every Bryce Young, there's uh, Trevor Lawrence, yeah. uh, Joe Burrow, CJ Stroud, and these guys that when you do hit, it changes everything. Yeah. But you also have to have the pieces around those guys. It, it, yeah. it all works in unison. I think that there is a buyer beware. There's definitely a lesson to be learned. And, and another guy who's actually winning right now, so maybe he's a bad example, is Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett was drafted where he was probably because of the organization that had the pick. He was a pit guy and you know, they like to keep things local. There was a lot of love there already. And they knew him cause he was in the building. They reached on him because he was the best available at that time. 
and they're winning games, but it's not because Kenny Pickett is great. <laughs> so I think that, that that comparison applies more so when we look at this draft class, not so much for the guys at the top. Caleb Williams, Drake May, they're going to be the top two. But does a team is a team more reluctant to reach on Bo Nix because they feel like they have to have a quarterback because of what you said? I think it affects that second wave of guys. Well, remember, we're dealing with billionaires here. You know, and I realize there's a salary cap, but I, I, you can throw the cap out when you're having these rookie wage scale conversations because it's just a moot point. It really is. If we're just talking bracing, let's just say they decide internally the next coach and, and maybe the next GM. I don't know how deep this Carolina situation is going to run here. Let's just say it's not worth our time. There's only 12 million left on Bryson's contract, guaranteed. And, you know, that for some people, that's ridiculous. For billionaires, if this is the wrong guy, they're going to move off of Bryce Young. You know, we're going to see somebody do this, a one and done on the rookie wage scale. So to me, getting Bo Nix, if, if that's your example, number 22 overall, right? What if Seattle wants to do Bo Nix? It may be a perfect fit, right? You get to replace yeah. Geno Smith. He's already a West Coast guy, yada, yada, right? Let's just say Seattle, who's 21, 22, wants to, wants to take Bo Nix with their number one pick. It's not a lot of money, A. And B, you have given yourself the opportunity for the fifth-year option. And that's why teams are going to load up on, on and, and reach up into the 20s and, or the 30s for that quarterback. Because if they have the opportunity, if that guy ends up hitting, even if it's year three, right? Even if they have to wait a couple of years to, to see that this guy has hit, you now have five and you can include the six with the franchise tag, six team-controlled seasons on a quarterback and there's nothing better in sports than having that. So you're that's not going away. But I think what what may go away is teams saying, all right, we got it. We've got to use this guy as much as possible because he's on this rookie contract. Again, if Bryce Young's not the guy, right? Mac Jones, they probably waited an entire year too long in New England on Mac Jones. If they had cut bait with him last year, yeah, we we would have had a money in a rookie contract conversation. But I don't think anybody would be complaining right now, right? They, it would have been the right decision. So I, yeah. I think we're going to see that more and more. Whereas take this cash. It's not a lot of cash to us. We just want to start this process over because having you here for one more year is actually going to set us back as a whole way more. And that's where Carolina is. I just can't figure out if Bryce Young is is worth investing another year into or not. Right. That's what I, I'm saying. I can't tell when I watch him. They they know more than we do, obviously, right? They've yeah. seen him hours and hours a day for a long time, and they know more than we do. And everybody looks great in practice, but it, it just seems like there's a big synapse gap, you know, sitting out there when, when push comes to shove that CJ Stroud just doesn't have. He just seems to be lightning fast decision-making, lightning fast with his legs and a heck of an arm. So, uh, you know, it's unfortunate you have to compare those two, but that's how it works. This yep. draft's going to have an unbelievable comparison situation with a bunch of studs that do different things. And I'm including players like, you know, Jaden Daniels in that conversation. Here's a fun thought to have. If Bryce Young, knowing what we know now, Bryce Young is thrown back into the draft mm. in 2024, where does he get taken among the quarterbacks? I would say... <laughs> I don't know. Could you see the Patriots going Alabama again? I don't know. It's <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's try this again. Um, I think he'd be like the fifth quarterback taken <laughs> off the board. Yeah, so, that's fair. No, that's Carolina. It's fair. not like Carolina can take a shot on one of these guys. They gave up draft capital in order to get Bryce Young. 
So I don't think they can. They're not in the position. No, we use Arizona as an example for this all the time. Drafted Josh Rosen the very next year, said, never mind. We'll take Kyler Murray. The Panthers can't do that. They'd have to go your route where you said if they want to move off of Bryce Young because they realize this problem is not fixable, they would have to go the veteran quarterback route. Yeah, and I don't think they're ready to do that. The, the roster's just not ready for anything right now. So it, to yeah, your point, no point, to your point, it's not just the quarterback, but it's a lot about the quarterback. And, and I think that's going to be the narrative, and, and rightfully so, because it's the only talking point that people have when it comes to a team. So it, are you ready for that quarterback? If you're not, you shouldn't be doing this. You should be trading out, yeah. taking the lump for one more year, loading up on draft assets, and then whatever. Hopefully, there's you know a prospect available for you when you're ready to draft that position because it's just too important to screw up as you've seen here. There, there's always another one. There really is. <laughs> we, we, every year we think this is it. This is where the quarterback well dries up. And you might have one bad year where it's Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis, but most years there's somebody that we get really genuinely excited about. Here's yeah. the thing. The, the final thing on the on the Panthers side of this, I figured I was going to go look at the, the 2024 projected cap space mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and, and maybe, hey, look, the Panthers could fix this problem, spending a whole lot of money and they'd be at the top of the list. They're middle of the pack in terms of yeah. what you have over at SpotTrack.com for projected salary cap space. So could you add a little more context to that? Because I figured this team would be at the top of the list with the lack of talent they have. Yeah, they got a right tackle that accounts for about you know 12% of their 2024 salary cap right now. Obviously, there's cap conversions that can happen here. But you've got you know Derek Brown on his fifth-year option next year. You've got a couple of secondary pieces that are costing you a lot of money. Adam Thielen, of course, will be in year two. That's a fully guaranteed situation. So it's not like this team has nothing, right? It's not like this team is sitting there with a defunct roster. I just think it's a poorly planned roster. And if the salary cap comes in around the 240, 245 mark, we've got it at about 240 in terms of projections right now. You know, you're leaving Carolina with about 39, 40 million of cap space, but that's only 41 you know, players on the roster next year. So you've got to add 50 players to it, right, to get to 90. A lot of that's going to come via the late rounds of the draft because they don't have those high impact draft picks to use. There's some void years they can account for in terms of dead cap. So that's going to pile up a little bit. In other words, what I'm saying out loud, and you've, you've kind of initiated this, is 2024 was probably already going to be another gap year in terms of what this team can do. Um, they're going to have to limp into March, hope that some draft picks hit, maybe trade some players. You know, Maybe Brian Burns is that player that moves off this roster officially because he's going to get franchise tag and eat up a ton of this cap space in February. And then we go from there. By the way, a tag and trade for Brian Burns could get them back in the upper echelon of this draft. So they may not be dead in the water just yet. They just may have to get creative to do it. Yeah, for sure. There's all, that's the thing we love about the NFL is that there's, if there's a will, there's a way you Mm -hmm. you can always find your way into whatever position you need to be in. As long as you're willing to be aggressive enough to do it. Uh, I just keep thinking back to Christian McCaffrey, man, is that guy should think his lucky stars every day he wakes up that yeah. he was traded to the San Francisco 49ers. And if I'm Saquon Barkley, I'm looking and going, where can, can I get to my equivalent of San Francisco? <laughs> yeah. Do you think he's just he's just scrolling through real estate in Kansas City every single day? Yeah, like, right? like, where am I going to live? I'm just waiting for my my shot right now. It, I, I, I think Barkley's I mean, in a little bit better spot. Yeah. yeah. McCaffrey's life is completely different oh. now than it would have been. Could you imagine him toiling on this roster right now? 
No, no, I, sur- I sure can't. And he would have had to take his lumps because it'd be one of the only teams willing to pay that salary. Um, I, I guess good on them, right? Because they did get a decent draft haul back for him. So they have made some some correct moves here. And by the way, you, you know, we're, we're comparing apples and apples here in terms of Houston and Carolina. There were a lot of years, right? Those, those Bill O'Brien years, Houston was one of the one of the most mismanaged front offices and rosters in all of football, right? The, the Andre Hopkins stuff, the David Johnson stuff, that was an absolute mess. So they took their lumps and now they're starting to crawl out of it, but they did it the right way. The new front office came in and did it the right way. So I'm not saying Carolina can't do that. The problem is they're going to be doing that amidst Bryce Young's rookie contract. And there's just nothing worse. You are, you're putting the cart before the horse here in a situation where you can't do that. So this one I have on our rundown because I know it's going to get you all riled up again. Aaron Rodgers has claimed all along that he wants back in this season. In fact, he's got a target date of Christmas Eve against the Washington Commanders, despite the fact that he tore his Achilles in week one. At least we think. I don't know. I'm 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 now going into full conspiracy theory mode where I don't even think he tore his Achilles. Oh, I, I, I think maybe we mis- maybe that was misreported. I, I, I don't I can't fathom how. If, We've never seen this in NFL history, but a 40-year-old quarterback is going to be the first that does it. It doesn't really make any sense. I mean, I say all of that as a skeptic. I hope I see it. I want to see guys come back quickly from injuries, and I'm so tired of watching the dreck that's out there with the Jets. But what what's the motivation here uh, in terms of of him? I, I know for the Jets side, that they're probably just tired of watching this bad, these bad quarterbacks, and they've given Aaron Rodgers all the power in the world. What do, you, what do you think Rogers' motivation is? Is it just to, is it like a notch in his belt to do something health-wise, medicine-wise that nobody's ever done before? I woke up this morning uh, knowing that I was going to be inundated with Rogers stuff. Um, and then I got blindsided by this Elon Musk stuff. And then when I actually got into the sports world a little bit, I started to see all of these conversations. I think it was Jared Allen and a bunch of Minnesota people. Have, did you see this this morning, Brandon? People no. saying that Kirk Cousins, I think who was 36, right? And this Achilles injury should preclude him from getting a big contract this March. In other words, that age, this injury should mean Kirk Cousins should not get paid this March by Minnesota and really by anybody because it's too risky. It's too dangerous. How can we be having these two conversations at the same time? 40-year-old Aaron Rodgers is coming back in seven months, is going to play on one of the worst teams in all of football, but Minnesota shouldn't bring back Kirk Cousins, a guy who has essentially taken them to the top of the division for the regular season standpoint for what? The last five straight seasons? I can't see these two things living in the same world. So something's got to give. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say Rodgers is pulling one over on us, but certainly he is enjoying this attention and that's just how he has lived his career. This is the only thing, because obviously I went to my soapbox. If you follow me on socials, you, you know where I stand on this. You know, I don't think he should be coming back. Here's the only reason I believe he feels he needs to come back. Number one, I think he really likes this coaching staff. Obviously he likes Hackett. Yeah. I think, I think he and Salah really hit it off in whatever wooing and courtship he, they went through in the offseason. I know he likes the owner because the owner really kind of feels Aaron Rodgers-esque, right? There's a, there, there's a simpatico there in terms yeah. of personalities. So I know, yeah, I know he feels like he owes this community something. And he also knows that if this ship goes all the way down, like it looks like it is for this Jets season, Salah might lose his job. So there's that. 
Number two, and I mentioned it in my, my soapbox, there's what, six players at least that are on this team right now, this Jets team, because of Aaron Rodgers. Either he demanded it or, or Nathaniel Hackett basically went to the front office and said, hey, this is all going to work better if we have this guy and this guy and this guy. And most of those guys are on one-year contracts, right? Alan Lazard's on a two, essentially, from guarantee standpoint. So he's somewhat safe, even though, even though he's getting benched right now. I think Rodgers wants to come back and bring all these guys together and say, look, let's go out there for four weeks that mean absolutely jackass to us right now and just prove to this front office and prove to this fan base that this semblance of people can work together in 2024 so that we can just go ahead with our business this offseason, add more pieces, have the confidence of everybody. Salah keeps his job and we, and we go all in in 2024, which is what I need because it's going to be my last year. That's the only sense of logic that I can see Rogers saying, I have to be back right now. It's not so much for him. And, and because honestly, it's crazy for him. It's for this whole organization that essentially he has had his big hand in to show that we're going we're gonna to build a platform for 2024, even if it's kind of a train wreck down the stretch. I don't know. I, I I'm throwing agree. <laughs> no, I, I think that you're, I think you're spot on. And that, that has to be part of the equation that, he almost feel the. I think what you're implying is that he feels a sense of responsibility and maybe even a little bit of guilt that he has that he's moved all of these bodies to New York to follow him and he has done nothing because of this injury. Yeah, and so he wants to come back. I will say this, and I'm skeptical like you are in terms of whether whether he should do it or not, and even more so that it's going to work out. Uh, because of just his body, his age, and the offensive line that he's playing behind. If he's able to do this, you could put this right up there with his MVPs. I think it's that <laughs> impressive. If is he comes the, back and plays what is well. This? Is this the Jordan flu game? Is this Paul Pierce you. coming out of the wheelchair? You know what I mean? Like A little bit. It's way up there. The problem is this. It's for nothing. In well, fact, that's the problem. In fact, him winning games too, actually. for the cap. But but him winning games actually makes the Jets offseason worse from a draft standpoint. So I, I don't know. And he's not thinking draft, right? He just he cares about 2024. I get and free it. agency and all of that. You know, th this yeah. could also be a situation where he needs to go out there to prove, hey, guys out there in the NFL, yeah. I can still sling it. Um, and then maybe they can get because the, the Jets were an attractive spot. Let me look. It, even though Dalvin Cook hasn't worked out, Dalvin Cook really wanted to go sign there because of Aaron Rodgers. And this was an attractive location. It's no longer attractive. They've been a disaster all season. And so maybe it's not just for the people in-house. It's for the people that he wants to bring in-house in 2024. Right. So I, I put like a four-tweet thread out. And it was all about this situation. And I didn't read a single comment because, you know, I have a brain. But I know, I know, I know where Jets fans were going with this, right? I, yep. I know that I was probably absolutely crucified by Jets fans because that's how things operate. I just want to say this, I, as as a person that has lived in Buffalo basically my whole life and and has followed a team that has that it took basically two decades to find the next best quarterback in the franchise. What are you doing, right? What what are you what are you looking for here? You. You've had Zach Wilson and Mark Sanchez and all these absolute disasters. You finally get this guy, one of the premier quarterbacks in the history of this sport, to come to your team, and you want him to play these last five weeks? You want him to do that. 
knowing full well that it could absolutely jeopardize all of 2024 and that 38 million guaranteed and everything that they've put together here, right? It, it's, it's extremely possible that he re-injures this thing or injures the other one like Kevin Durant did because he over-rehabbed the one side. There are so many scenarios that can go wrong at this age. I don't understand the fans of this team saying, bring him back as soon as possible. We just want to see him on the field. It's so reckless. It's, it makes no sense to me. Well, you have to understand the difference between Jets fans and Bills fans. Bills fans, at least in, in the lifespan of a 30, 40, 50-year-old, have experienced some level of success. Okay. So they know that that's the ultimate goal. You know, you might feel the pain of losing Super Bowls, but you've been to Super Bowls. The Jets have had no success at all. Okay. So they just want they just want relevance. They want one game to matter. I mean, I'm surprised they're probably they'll probably hang a banner for what happened in week one. Okay, that's enough ranting and raving from us. Let's go to our quick hits and wrap this one up. Mark Cuban selling a majority stake of the Dallas Mavericks. The value of the sale sitting at, you might want to sit down for this, $3.5 billion. Yeah. What kind of net gain are we looking at here for Mr. Cuban? Yeah, he's getting like a 12, 1,200% gain. I think he bought the team for $285 million back in 2000. So in the matter of two and a half decades, he's going to earn himself about three and a half billion dollars. And you know, it's way more than that because, you know, he's handled his business. Obviously, he's ridiculously invested in basically every facet of the world. Um, but the timing is just funky. It's just weird because, uh, you know, this this TV money, the streaming money, the, you know, that's all coming down the pipeline. That, is, that hasn't even hit yet. So these franchise values are really going to skyrocket in the next three to five years. Expansions coming, I think. Possibly by next year, we're going to start hearing actual conversations about two new cities. So there's a hell of a lot more money coming to the NBA, you know, pretty quickly. Well, he's worth $6.5 billion, So right. I don't think money is an issue at this point. I'm just saying, if it's three and a half now, there's a world where this is four in like 18 months. Right. You know what I mean? And he knows that. He's not, he's obviously one of the smarter guys in this, in this industry. So uh, timing's weird. It's weird that he announced his Shark Tank exit and this in like a 24 hour span. You know, I don't know that he's, you know, ramping up to something else, but he certainly got him, his health invested in a lot of areas. And maybe there's just something else. Maybe it's the medical world. I know he's done a lot with pharma pharmaceuticals uh, that he just wants to focus more time on, but he's going to be involved. And that's, I think, the most fascinating part about this. He's going to he's going to earn three and a half billion dollars and he's still going to essentially be the president of operations of the Dallas Mavericks and make all the basketball decisions. I don't know that there's a better gig in the history of the world. That is, yeah. That's the best job ever, right? <laughs> Give me all my money and I still get to make all the calls. For sure. No, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Like seeing Mark, it's a, it's a staple of watching NBA yeah. um, night to night is seeing Mark Cuban there on the sideline for Mavs games. Uh, speaking of the NBA, in-season tournament play continues on to the next round. LeBron... KD, Zion, Jason Tatum, Giannis, the Knicks, all advancing to the next round. I imagine the league is pretty happy with what they've seen so far. I'm super psyched. Um, can we go off topic, off topic, and just get on yeah. the soapbox for one last thing here, and maybe cancel everything else? Because I know, I know, play. I know you're invested in this. Don't get uh, me talking I, about point differential. I am. Can we do it? Minutes. Can we do it? I, I want to do it because I, I know you're an Orlando guy. Three hours on it yesterday. Go you're the host of the Orlando go. Magic, right? You're, you're invested in a team that basically got bounced because of this rule. It, this is new, right? And by the way, this is way more successful than I thought it was going to be out of the gate. This is already a huge success and a huge ratings boost and all that stuff. Okay, you had a three-hour talk show about it yesterday. 
Did you get to another solution that you liked? Uh, there were a couple uh, that I came up with. Okay. Uh, because I don't, I do not like, and I know that I understand. I, I'm a, I work with the magic. I'm a fan of the team. I'm a fan of this team in particular. It's super fun to watch. Yeah. Love going to the arena night tonight. And so I wanted to see this team advance. I actually got invested in the in-season tournament. So I'm frustrated. I don't like this point differential stuff. And I think that you saw it play out, not just with the magic getting bounced, but also the the Knicks were in a situation where they had a point differential yeah. uh, that they needed to hit. The Cavs were, were in a situation where they were trying to hit a certain mark. Everybody that was doing it, the Celtics, felt uncomfortable doing it. As a viewer, it's so... Uh, it's just such a bastardization from what we're used to in watching professional sports that you're trying to hit a target number. That stuff is fun in an all-star game. It is so Bush League for a professional sports league. This is the first year, so they're trying stuff out, but you got to remove yourself from it. Did I think if you're going to use point differentials, it should only matter for um, similar opponents. What I mean by that is the Celtics blowing yeah. out the Bulls should have nothing to do with a tiebreaker that involves the Celtics, the Nets, and the Magic. Those were the three teams that had the same record. They all beat each other. So if you're going to use point differential, that's the point differential that should matter. Also, isn't fair that the Celtics knew what number they had to hit and the Magic weren't even playing that night. So there's a disconnect there where one, one team knows what they need to do. The other just has to sit back and let it happen to them. I think the other one would be a tiebreaker. And this was my favorite one that I came up with. Your win percentage from the moment the in-season tournament Boom. starts to the moment group play ends. And I'm talking about your full win percentage, Boom. not just in-season tournament play. Yes. So listen, Candace Parker said this live on TNT th that night, the night that this mess was going down. It's the best idea humanly possible, right? Because now, now, now what that does, right? Is it, it makes game one of the regular season important to these NBA players. Now game one through game 20, essentially, which generally are just throwaways for a lot of these superstar players, right? I mean, October based basketball. Are you kidding me? Yeah. There's, most people don't even know that the season has started yet, but now it, now all of those initial games leading into the season matter because your record or your win percentage until the until this point, until the knockout round of the tournament dictates your ability to to advance into the knockout round of the tournament, I think that makes the most sense. Um, and yeah. people are going to say, uh, you know, because it is a scheduling thing, right? If if the Knicks end up playing the Charlotte Hornets twice, they have an advantage over somebody who's played the Bucks and the Nuggets and those. It's just going to be how the chips roll, right? But every game is going to matter then, not just the in-season ones, but the actual standard regular season games as well. And one of the others that I heard from somebody else that I liked was if you're going to use points, it should just be points against, not right. points for. I don't like the idea of these teams going out of their way to run up the score. We don't need... Uh, what the NBA wants to do is create a better product. Sending Andre Drummond to the line six times at the end of a game is the opposite of a good product. It's embarrassing to him. It's awful to watch for everybody else. And the Celtics themselves didn't like doing it. I appreciate the fact that they yeah. cared enough to do it. I think that that's a really good sign for the league, but they've got to change this. It's the most obvious glaring problem with this whole situation. It, it's how the Premier League works in soccer, as I'm sure you know. Um, 
So on the last day of the season, which is essentially, which is usually Mother's Day, by the way, which is super awkward for anybody who cares about English soccer. It's just this. It's a 10 a.m. Eastern time start. Every single team plays. And if there's any kind of window where, you know, two teams or more can win that title because it's a regular season title. It's just an absolute goal fest. And you're trying to score six, eight goals in soccer, which is, you know, humanly impossible if you follow the sport. So that's what they've done. They literally just took that model and tried to build it into the middle of the regular season of the NBA. And for the most part, it's successful. I think there's no question they're going to have to alter this to some degree. But, and I'm going to throw it back to you to finish here, man. Everybody in the world's talking about this. Right. Yeah. But everybody saw Joe Mazzula walk over to Billy Donovan. It's one of the most shared sports videos of the week. I don't know. Are, is the NBA sitting back, licking their chops right now saying that's eh, very possible. They love, they, yeah. they love drama. They love controversy. <laughs> and if they don't, because they'll change things on a dime. Yeah. If they don't change this, what you just said is exactly the reason why I had that exact same thought, man. Adam yep. Silver is sitting back and he's probably loving every second of this, but he also doesn't want to embarrass the league. So he's got an interesting situation here where you yeah. don't want to put egg on anybody's face. You don't want to put players and coaches in that situation and you want to keep the respectability at a certain level, but he does love controversy, loves drama and clicks on social media. You know, he's always going to get geeked up for that. So I could talk in season tournament all day. <laughs> One thing I will say is that I, that I don't want to see change is the amount of teams that advance to the quarterfinals. The fact that we're having this conversation feels very college football. That's never anything you say about the NBA. Those two sports are not comparable at all. Mm -hmm. The college football is getting further away from it starting next year. And the NBA leaning into it a little bit where there's exclusivity to getting to the quarterfinals. I've heard a lot of people say, well, just expand. I hate that that's our go-to for everything. When we don't like a certain setup for a postseason playoff tournament situation, we just, the, the NCAA tournament, 68 isn't enough. We need 72. I never liked that as the, as the go-to in terms of fixing problems. One more thing. I know we're running late here. Um, I've heard this a few times and I think I like it. Do you want, the teams to play the same teams every year in this tournament? Do you want this to become like a tradition again, like college football thought right? about that. so that rivalries, it also kind of makes things fair, right? Then you're not, you're, you know, one year, the Knicks get Charlotte, the next year, the Knicks get the Bucks. whatever's going to happen. Uh, I, I just think geographically, if you keep it to that, however you have it arranged and every year, Fans know exactly what's going to happen. You know, these are the three teams that the Magic have to play in order to advance. I, I think I like that. And that, that takes the randomness out of it. There's some expectations. And maybe you can actually plan for it a little bit, too, if that becomes part of your DNA. I think the league will probably end up going to um, some sort of production where gr the groups are chosen on live TV. Like the World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. And so <laughs> I don't think they're going to do it that way. But it's an interesting thought. That does it for us here on today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast. If you like the content you hear on this channel, follow, rate, review, subscribe. Goes a long way. We appreciate it. Thanks for hanging with us. SpotTrack.com for all the latest in the sports contract and transactional world. Till next time. <laughs>